senior pastor has spent some time, you know, delving into the study, and uh, we saw a man which we believe the scripture described as the man after his heart. So he said, to be a man or woman after God's heart. I didn't say happy new month. This is the first of June, right? Happy new month. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. So Acts of the Apostles chapter 13 and verse 22b, it says, this is what God said about David. I have found that David, the son of Jesse, is the kind of man I like. A man who will do all I want him to do. God, over time, had studied the life of David and discovered that David was the kind of person he would like to be around with. And, you know, the, we started to look at what exactly did David do? Some of the things I remembered that King War, the son of us back on him, you know, just parading and looking, and then he saw something. He looked down and, and saw it. He just called somebody, Musa, 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 come. come. I mean, who, who be that person there? Yeah. They say it was uh, Uriah's wife. Am I correct? Uriah's. Her name is Bathsheba. He said, please go and call her. Before you know it, things went wrong. That's what I remembered about David. David was a man like everybody else. But there were things that David did that made God like him. We explored some of those things last week. Who can remind us? Some of those things that we discussed last week that David did that God liked him. I'd like us to have the mic. Is there a second mic? What were some of those things we discussed that David did that made God like him last week? Nobody here was around last week. <laughs> okay. Pastor Kala, yes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I think one of the things we discussed last week was when uh, David faced Goliath. Mm, 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 and mm. Goliath, like what the senior pastor said, Goliath was abusing, cursing the children of God. And um, David was there to defend God. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for him. the honor of God. Put your hands together for, for Pastor Kola, please. I remember Pastor Kola mentioned this. And sometimes, when we think about David, David was a shepherd boy. He wasn't a trained soldier. He wasn't someone that was used to battle. I remember one of our sisters said, even when they brought some of the armories that soldiers wore, the guy, he couldn't wear it. It wasn't fitting to him. But he was someone that stood up for God. He stood, I mean, how could this man, the, the Bible said David described him as an uncircumcised Philistines. How can he be here shouting every day and nobody did anything because they're afraid because he's one tall guy. For 30 days, 30 every day, if you've watched Achilles, the movie Achilles, you know, how somebody will always come out every day and defile the people until they went to call Achilles one day. That was exactly what happened, except that David came to bring food to his brothers and heard it. He came to bring food to his brothers. I don't know if you understand the kind of person David was, his status at the time. He wasn't a soldier. The person we are talking about must not necessarily be a Pastor Collins who wears suits to come to church on Sunday. He could be a greeter. Who stands at the door? Who people do not think was seemingly fit for the battle? Somebody who did what? Who brought food for his brothers? Who they ask? Who? If you've been in the village, you know, I spent some time in the village. They used to send us to go and get, I don't know how to say it in English. In Igbo, they say it, that means you go and get feed for the goats. So they'll send us, we'll go and cut grass and take it for the ghost. That was exactly the position of David. He was seemingly an unimportant man. Do you know sometimes in church, we pay so much attention to 
people will think that are those ones that are closer to God and we pay slightly less attention to those people who may be doing a lot of work but we don't know the impact they are making. Like our brother Ayo. Do you know how Ayo can drive away the anointing that I'm going to use today? <laughs> do you know he has the ability to do that? He will just do something on the distance. Now, nah, I'll be doing, hello, can you, can you hear me? And everything that the Spirit of the Lord wants to help me say. <laughs> because when you are praying for the service today, I'm sure you probably remember to pray for the person that the Lord will use. You've forgotten that the Lord is also using him. We don't remember that, right? We don't know that the Lord is also using him. We don't know the Lord is also using the multimedia. How many times have you discovered that the person ministry is trying to say, okay, multimedia, help us open to blah, 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 and the multimedia decides to take a break because we didn't remember to pray for them. I'm just saying that sometimes we consider that some things are very insignificant. Like David, those might probably be the one that will stand up for God. That will stand against the enemy. What was the second thing we raised again? What was the other things that we raised last week about who David was? The kind of qualities David exhibited that made God like him. Who remembered? Who was there last week? Okay. Okay. I was not here, but... Uh... I know little about David. Okay, okay. The quality, one of the quality or character of David, humility. Oh my. Humility, put your hands together for her. What did he do that made you feel he was humble? Anytime a prophet or he realizes his mistake or that he has sinned against God and the prophet came to, in case of this, uh, uh, this woman that gave birth to Solomon, when uh, Nathan came to tell him, he quickly he repented in harsh and in dust. Oh my, oh my. Thank you, our sister. Sometimes, some of us get to the position where we feel that we don't need to be humble before God anymore. We have acquired so much for ourselves that we don't need to be humble. One of the sisters last week mentioned that David could dance in, and I mean, he just loses himself before God and dances. He danced in such a way that even his wife was saying, why, why are you doing this? Why are you embarrassing yourself? You know, when pastor was talking about that last week, I was telling myself, God, how, what, how, what, how do we handle my situation and Pastor Kola's situation. <laughs> because we don't know how to dance. I have tried and tried that we don't know how to dance. God, I hope that when you are counting, you will not count the dance part. Because you know we are actually, you know I was speaking on our behalf. <laughs> we are actually free in your presence. We just don't know how to do it. If I dance here, <laughs> you wouldn't know what to call what I was doing. <laughs> Hallelujah. But David was a humble man. When he sinned, when he sinned, it wasn't that he never sinned, but when he did and realizes it, he goes before God and asks and, and apologizes. There were people in the scriptures. I'd like to read some of them. Daniel chapter 4, verse 28. I want to read about a man who took pride in himself. And did not acknowledge what God had done in his life. Daniel chapter 4 and verse 28. It says, I'll read from verse 28 to 32. It says, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the 12 months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke saying, is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? While the words were still in his, the king's mouth, the voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken that the kingdom has departed from you. 
and they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he pleases. This king felt he built the kingdom. You know how some people feel that their Nigeria is their own? They don't know that God is coming. How many of you remember the message pastor posted about it? Giving a warning. God is coming. God is coming. I don't know when it's going to be, but God is going to come. I, I don't know how God will allow the things that are happening in Nigeria to continue and not set an example. This king was not humble before God. He said he built it. The Bible said that what God did to him, seven times in seven years, this man, his mind changed and became that of an ox. And he went to the field. Many people are longing to become kings. How many people? And the opportunity came for them to be king. Because Nebuchadnezzar became an animal. At least his mind became an animal. The Bible says his fingers grew and all the hairs and everything. And he went in the field. And do you know that the terror struck the kingdom such that nobody could dare go and sit on that throne? Not because they were afraid, afraid of Nebuchadnezzar, no. But because they were afraid of what God will do to them. Hallelujah. The same thing happened to a king. Herod. In Acts of the Apostles, chapter 12, and verse 21. Acts of the Apostles, chapter 12, verse 21. On a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne, and gave an oration to them, in front of people. And the, the people kept shouting, the voice of God and not of man. They were praising him. And immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and died. We cannot take God's place. And you must watch yourself. We must all watch ourselves. Now, when God begins to exalt us, we don't take his place. Do you know it happens to some of us? We finish preaching a message, and the message was wonderful. Everybody claps for us. And you go in yourself, you are telling yourself, Hi, see how I delivered the word. <laughs> see what I did. I'm talking about us now. See how we deliver the word. And then you are happy because we have a culture to celebrate everybody in church. And we celebrate you, and you took the honor to yourself. You take the honor. In your place of primary assignment, in your career, wherever it is you find yourself, whatever it is that God did in your life, you must always give God his place. You know, there's one habit we have. How many of you have seen some of these young people that have become very rich people now? Very, you know, millionaires. And they used to use the word self-made Millionaire. How many of you have seen that word before? Self-made millionaire. Self-made conference. Self-made this. And the person will come and be giving testimony of how she or he made herself. It's only a matter of time. Because we cannot do anything of our own. Nothing. We cannot do anything of our own. Self-made. Self. In itself. Flesh. No. We cannot. We must be humble. What else did we mention last week? What else? Our brother, yes, please. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, last, last week we talked about um, David trusting God. Um, he went into the battlefield and then they gave him more and some stuffs, but he refused to put them on, trusting God that yes, um, God will help him fight the battle. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for him. 
David was not in doubt about what God was going to do. You know, when you have confidence, that's confidence that cannot be explained, that you are so sure something is going to happen. Not because you know how it's going to happen, but because you know God is responsible for the situation around your life. David trusted God. He said, ah, I dealt with lions and bears when they carried one, one of my goats or rams or whatever it is. Who is this man? He didn't see how big. You know how some of us magnify our problems? There was something that was happening in my office and we had a little bit of challenge. And one of my colleagues came to my office and said, oh, we have this challenge. And because of this challenge we have, this will not be possible. He said it outrightly, this will not be possible. And I said, please don't say that. And he tried to explain it to me that it's not possible, it's not possible. And I had to walk him out of my office. When I brought him back, I told him that you cannot speak negatively like that. Not because I know how it's going to be possible, but because I know God is in control and it will be possible. And eventually that thing worked out. It's not something I can explain, but the kind of trust and confidence we should have in God is not something that we need to have explanations for. You know why we don't trust God? Because we are putting all our permutations, all our combinations, we are putting one plus two is going to be equal to three. We know how everything is going to work out. So we pay less dependence on God. But we need to understand that it does not matter what we know. Once we acknowledge God and trust him that this will happen, it will always happen. Hallelujah. What else did we talk about last week? Anything else? Hallelujah. We also mentioned that David was in the habit of inquiring from God before he makes any move. Am I correct? We mentioned it last week. For anything he wanted to do, he would always inquire of the Lord. We had discussed this here before, that we should always have the habit of making inquiry of God and asking God, should I go after them? Should I overtake? And he said, yes, go after them. You shall overtake and you shall recover all. We should always have the habit of asking God. It doesn't matter if you are familiar with the route. You know, there's something I do. It's not a very good habit, but I'm going to share with you. There's something I do every day before I leave my house. I know the road to the office, but I always check Google map to know, make sure that that road that I know is free before I enter it. Every day, I just put it, but once I get to the car, check Google Map, make sure the road is free, 19 minutes, and I, and I take my route. It should be like that. You know how to do it, you know how to achieve it, but let's just always trust God and rely on him and ask him, is this still okay for me to go? I know it was okay yesterday, is he okay today? Amen. Having extrayed last week's message, I'd like us to look at some other person. There's somebody else that I believe was a man after God's heart. I'd like you to help me with my slide for today. I'm going to be very honest with you on this slide. I would like us to look at Abraham. I was trying to figure out the title to give this place. I couldn't figure out. I was saying Abraham, the friend of God. Abraham, the man after God's heart. Abraham, the man of faith, the father of many nations. I, I just could not figure it out. I just said, let me just write Abraham. You just fix the rest yourself. <laughs> Hallelujah. You just fix the rest yourself. But this was a man that I felt that there was nobody just like him in the scriptures, in the entire scriptures. And we're going to read a passage, Genesis chapter 12 and verse 2 and 3. King James Version says, I will make you, God was speaking to Abraham, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in all the families of the earth, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. After reading this passage, I asked myself one question. This was the first time the scripture recorded that God was speaking to Abraham. 
Then I asked, what did Abraham do to deserve this blessing? We are going to help discover it together. And I would like us to help pass the mic. Who can tell me, why do you think Abraham, there's somebody behind, was blessed like this? Okay. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Because he simply obeyed God. Mm, put your hands together for her. Now, there was something I said here that this was the first time God was speaking to Abraham. The first time. Prior to this time, God was talking about his father, his brothers, the wives he married, everything. And then all of a sudden, chapter 12, God just began to say, I will bless you. Please, I'd like to hear from somebody else. What do you think Abraham did? There were two people raising their hands here. Okay, he can't answer again. <laughs> All right. What I know, what I know that Abraham did actually is that it's the same obedience. When God told him, called him, because he's from a delatrous background, a home. And when God said, leave your country, leave your people, leave your kindred, and go, not knowing where he's heading to, he move out like that. And he went out on his family and lost his navy. Tell they left, not knowing where he's going to. So I believe because of obedience, that's why God promised him. Put your hands together for her. Where she's talking about is from verse 4. You know, from verse 4, when you read, you now see when God commanded him, stand up or I leave your house, leave everything and move out. Who, who else wants to help us? Why do you think God blessed him like this? This is the first thing. Okay. Oh, you want to say something again? Okay. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He obeyed God and he trusted him. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Obey and trust. Trust and obey. Do we have any other contributions? Okay, why? I'm going to read verse 4. Uh, help us with verse 4, please. Verse 4 down. So Abraham departed as the Lord has spoken to him and Lot went with him and Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran so before now we don't know what happened to Abraham we don't know why Abraham God spoke to Abraham like that we don't know why but something tells me that what our sisters have said that Abraham obeyed God and they started telling us about things that happened after this chapter, after this verse. But I want to say that, do you think that God will just wake up and begin to bless somebody like this? Do you think God will just wake up and just speak somebody and say, oh, yeah, let's bless him? There is, what do you think attracts God to that person before you can get this kind of blessing? We have emphasized so much about obedience. What else do you think attracts God before you can receive this kind of blessing? 75 years was probably unrecorded. But Abraham must have been in the habit of the things that he did after this verse, before these verses. In Igbo, they said, Adam wake benanka. You know what that means? You don't learn how to use the left hand at an old age. Abraham was already 75 years old. God blessed him. But the scripture says here that afterwards, open to chapter 12, verse 7 and 8. Let's read verse 7 and 8. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. 
Abraham was in the habit of worshipping God and building altars. Now, worshipping worshiping God, building an altar is a lot more higher level than just mere worship. You know what it means to build an altar? What does it mean to build an altar? When you build an altar, it means that this is a place you constantly go to worship him. Anytime Abraham had an opportunity, he builds a place where he would meet with God constantly. Beyond mere obedience, Abraham spent time in God's presence. It was not recorded before chapter 12, but because God blessed him, when we begin to investigate, what did Abraham do? You begin to study the habits Abraham lived. If you look at this verse, the Bible said, open to chapter 13, again, chapter 13, verse 4. Chapter 13, verse 4. He said, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Verse 18. Go back to verse 18 of chapter 13, verse 18. Then Abraham moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terabyte bint tree of Mamre, where which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. If you check, you will see the consistency of Abraham building altars for God. He was in the habit of worshiping God. I'd like us to begin to discuss now, what else do you think Abraham was in the habit of doing? What is it that he did that caught God's attention? I'd like to hear from us. Okay. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. In Genesis 18:19, God said, I know Abraham that he will command his children and teach them the way of the Lord. So I believe one of the things he did was that he taught his family how to serve oh, the Lord, the way God. of the Lord, and how to keep the commandments of the Lord. Put your hands together for him. For her, sorry. Abraham was a, a Bible teacher. Maybe you will not call it a Bible teacher. Abraham was someone who communicated constantly about his knowledge of God to the people around him, not his children. Not just his children, to the people around him. We saw what David did, the previous man. The Bible said when Goliath was coming up, he came and challenged Goliath. He said, this man cannot be talking against my God. He wanted people to know who his God was. Abraham was not afraid of communicating his faith. He was not afraid of communicating his faith. In the situations where you find yourself, do you look for an opportunity to communicate your faith? The example she gave about children, can your children boldly say that my parents are Christians? Your children, Can they boldly say that my parents are Christians? I went for a meeting. I, uh, the meeting was in a restaurant. So we had some people. And um, I was trying to look at the, the menu. And then my colleague that was there was telling the other partners that, um, please, you cannot choose this kind of drink this kind of drink. My colleague was telling, he was wondering, he said, because my, my, my guy here is a, you know, he's not very comfortable <laughs> with having this kind of drinks on the table. It's not something I am afraid to talk about. And I must be honest with you, it does not matter who the person is. It does not matter. I will not embarrass you with my faith, but you must know what I stand for. Are there things that you do and you say, no, it's, 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 it's a general thing. It's, it's not something, after all, I'm not part of it, but it's just that I will not be part of it. But I mean, it's okay. Um, everybody can do it. And nobody knows where you stand. 
Do you always look for an opportunity to even share your faith, no matter how, how embarrassing it might be? Do you look for an opportunity to share your faith? What do you do about the people closest to you? The people around you. It must not be far-fetched. I'm not saying we should carry Bible and be walking on the street. There's nothing wrong with that. But those people are around you, in your house. Nepa bill. You will share Nepa bill. You don't use prepaid meter. Maybe you share Nepa bill. And when it's time to contribute, you are the last to contribute. You are the last. And every time they'll say you are the one that has a problem. We can't set example in the way we live. No. We don't set that examples. We don't look for an opportunity to communicate our faith. Please put your hand together for our sister once one more time. Who else can share with us some of the things that Abraham did? Okay. It seems like the same people are just repeating themselves. What made God to promise those to promise Abraham those uh, good promises is that Abraham is a man of sacrifice. And he's a man of prayer. I remember when a lot was going astray. He prayed for lots. He prayed for lots and also. And then when every time he always say, Bring me young bullocks, any sacrifice on the altar before he made his prayer. Even when they go ask him to the, the long-awaited son, when eventually came, in order God to test his faith and his love for him, he said, go and sacrifice the Isaac. He didn't debate on it. He took Isaac to the Mount Timora, and he said, when the son asked him, Daddy, this is a fire, this is a wood, and this is a fire, where is the sacrifice? Where is the lamb for the sacrifice? Say, the Lord will provide himself a lamb for the sacrifice. For some, somebody like that, is a man after God's own heart because he seeks that which pleases God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. What our sister said is one of the most difficult things anybody will do. One of the most difficult things anybody can do. You might not understand Abraham's situation when he came to sacrificing his son. Abraham had waited for a child. You know, even when God told him he was going to have a child, he still had to wait for a very long time. He waited so much so that his wife came to him and said, this promise that God made to us it's probably through this girl. That's one ironic thing about the man Abraham. The man slept with his house help, the maid of his, and yet God loved this man. Ironic thing. And when it was time to sacrifice, the Bible said that he did not blink. When you were talking about obedience, the greatest obedience is to take his son. If you see the way God was describing his son, your son in whom you love, your only son, carry him and go and sacrifice. And without question, without doubt, he took his son. And he kept saying the Lord will provide. You ask yourself this question. What do you think in your situation right now would the Lord ask you to sacrifice? I, I was thinking about this and I imagined that if you were in the situation of the senior pastor, apologies that he's here. You know the kind of school, each time I listened to the kind of school he went to, I started trying to do, even if it's certificate course, let me get this my Shasha degree that I have. Let me just do one certificate course so that I can put it on my CV and say, I went to University of London, I studied one course, you know. He had all that, and he was a maritime lawyer. He even worked in oil and gas. And the Lord called him. Do you know what it means to abandon that? And say, the Lord called you to ministry. Do you think the ministry started like this? Started in this beautiful atmosphere. Do you think ministry started like that? What is it that you think that is so heavy, so close to you, that the Lord might ask that you need to 
put it aside, give it up for his sake. Some of us, it might be as little as money. Money. Just money. You have 10,000 naira in your account. And God is saying that I need this 10,000 naira for this purpose. And you have one million and one reasons to believe that the devil made that suggestion to you. You know, I remember there was some time ago that giving tithe became an issue. I don't like to discuss that subject. That you give one tenth of your income, of your earnings, became an issue. That people were looking for reason not to even give the one tenth. People had excuses. Reason, can you just prove it from me in the scripture? That scripture you brought is an Old Testament. Prove it for me from the New Testament. Oh no, this was the old law. It wasn't in the new covenant. It, ah, just wondering. <laughs> people begin to struggle. We can't even give our time. Look at the people here. We can't even give our time. We can't even sacrifice that time to be here. You need to put your hands together for yourselves. Please, everybody, just put your hands together. I, because we are talking to the people who are even in Bible study. What about those that are not here? Who should hear that they need to sacrifice their time to even come before God's presence? David said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Do we feel that excitement if we have an opportunity to fellowship in God's presence? Do we feel that excitement? Can we make that sacrifice because of the things of God? Abraham gave his son. Eventually, God didn't take it. God made provision. Every day, ask yourself, what sacrifice are you making unto God? What sacrifice are you making for the kingdom? For the kingdom, we have begun to live a very comfortable life as Christians. If it is not convenient, we can come. It will surprise you that some people might not come and say, Oh, no, the place I usually sit, the AC is not working very well. It will surprise you. The AC is not working very well. The road to the church, the driveway, when you drive in, the bump is too much. I remember when we were having house fellowship, the place we were having house fellowship in Grandma B's house, before it was not tarred. And some people were not coming because that road was not tarred. They will mess up their tires. <laughs> Hallelujah. It will surprise you. <laughs> Please, I like us, uh, just hand the mic to Pastor Kola. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Abraham was a fair man because there was a point where him and Lot were to separate. And at that point, he asked Lot to choose first before him. And normally, he is the one that is supposed to choose first. So Lot picked the best portion of the land. And so I think those were part of the things the Lord loved about him. Put your hands together for Pastor Kala. I would like to think that in that regard, Abraham trusted God. It was not a matter of how green the land was. You know, when they asked Lord to choose, what did he choose? He came and the Bible said that he looked. Ah, this one is flourishing. This one is flourishing. He looked here. Nah, nah. The dryness in this place is awful. Let me pick this place. When I was reading this passage, I asked myself, what do we do? sometimes when it comes to being fair when you have an opportunity to choose between something let's take for instance you want to enter bus there's no bus has it happened to you before you want to enter bus there's no bus and one bus comes what happens when that bus comes what happens everybody's rushing right why are you rushing because, because you want to go home or because you don't want your neighbor to enter before you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Which one is it? Because you want to go home or because you don't want your neighbor to enter before you. I, I, I'm not here to judge. I'm being honest with you. I'm not here to judge. But we 
should not always push ourselves ahead of others to the detriment of others. I'm not here to judge. We must always check our motive. Things are, can be so difficult. And you think it was easy for Abraham in this lost situation. You think it was easy for Abraham? No, it was not. It had to be someone who depended on God at another level to make that kind of decision. That you see a business opportunity and then your neighbor sees the same business opportunity and you have the opportunity to grab that business first. You grab it so that your neighbor loses. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But if it is possible, there was a time we had an opportunity to distribute a particular product. There was a person doing the product before us. Okay, a particular brand. Somebody was doing that brand before us. And then these Chinese people came to us and they were saying that they want to give us an opportunity to be the distributors of this brand. And then it surprised them when we made one comment. We said, we are very happy to be distributors of this brand. But please, I hope you are not removing the other guy. They didn't understand us. They said, we said, we will accept the offer, but we want to be two companies so you don't remove the other fellow. The market is so big, we can all eat from the cake. We must not take the cake all by ourselves. We can share. It's not a problem. Then they said, no problem. We would allow the other company to remain. Immediately we accepted the offer and started doing it. They dumped the other guys. Hallelujah. And you were, we enjoyed that business. I'm telling you, we enjoyed it so much because you can imagine being the only person in the whole of Nigeria distributing a particular product. It was a very fantastic thing. But it was not something that we did driven by greed. You must ask yourself, what is driving you? What, what is driving you? If you have the confidence in God to know that your prosperity does not come by the efforts that you make. It doesn't come by the efforts that you make. It's not in your ability to think, think strategic. <laughs> What's that word? <laughs> to be a very strategic thinker. It's not in your ability to be able to do that. It's not in the fact that you want to mono, be monopolized. I mean, monopolize the entire system. You know. You know what drives the economy now? Why so many people are rich? Because they want to be monopoly. They want to be the only one doing this product. Any other person that is doing it, you frustrate his effort. Some people usually come to me and they believe so much in competition. They say, what are you doing? These people are coming. What are you doing to drive, I mean, to fight this competition? What do you do? How do you frustrate their effort? I say, frustrate their efforts? Why would I do that? Why would I do that? I will focus on the customer and give value to the customer and I will prosper. I don't need to care about what... I mean, how, why do you want me to frustrate? Everybody can be successful. Everybody can be successful. If, if Abraham, if Lot had said, Lot is even the younger one. Imagine, your mom gave you meat. You as the younger one, you went and grabbed the big one. So that your senior one will take the small one. How about? You didn't say, okay, how do we do it? This situation is good. This one is slightly dry. Can we share this good part into two? So that I take half good, half bad. You also take half good, half bad. But no, Lord said no. No. Let me take the good part. You take the bad part. It was only a matter of time. Hallelujah. And wherever the soul of Abraham's feet touches, he prospered. You tell yourself, you are a child of the king. Always be fair, like Pastor Kola said, in your decision, always be fair. You go to that mechanic workshop, you want to fix something, and you want to prize him in such a way that you are sure that you are the one at advantage, he's the one that is losing something. You want to pay for something, you make sure you don't pay that money complete so that he will not cheat you. You want, I mean, 
The mechanic fix your job and, and you both of you agree 10,000. After I finish the job, you look for one thing to say, ah, is it how you did it? Eh? See what you did. I can't pay you that 10,000 again. I can't pay you that 10,000. Take 8,000 now. If you don't take it, I'll just go. And he takes the 8,000 grudgingly and you are happy. You are happy. In our everyday life, are you fair? The decisions that you make, are you fair? The senior pastor wants to say something. Uh, can we Put your hands together for him. Please. No, I actually think we should clap for him. <laughs> There's a scripture that comes to mind. As you were speaking, I'm thinking, okay, when we're talking about David, we're talking about Abraham. We're talking about other people. Should we talk about ourselves? There's a new banner on the fence there. It says, strive to be a man or woman after God's heart. We, if we look at David, is to know that God picks some people. Let's bring it to our life today in Nigeria, in this church. Who is the man? Where is the woman after God's heart? I want you to look around. Just take a time and look around. Who could be the person here? And look at yourself. Could I be the person? And if we fall short, what we should be doing is not just a Bible study to look at what we need to adjust so that we can become a man, a woman after God's heart. Um, I would like multimedia to help us with Isaiah 66 and verse 2. I'm going to read the B part. Okay, all those things exist, says the Lord, but on this one, one man or woman will I look. On him or her who is poor and of a contrite spirit, and who does, does what? Tremble. Who trembles at my word. And that's what David was. The kind of person Abraham was. Was God say something? Sacrifice your son, your only son, whom you love. That's the end. No discussion with his wife. In the morning, he set out early before even Sarah woke up so that there will be no contention. How many of us tremble at God's word? He didn't say hear God's word. I preached a sermon about the end of discussion. When God speaks, honestly, it should be end of discussion. No negotiation. No argument. If you want to be a man or woman after the God's heart. Now, interestingly, um, change that to the new century version. These are the people I am pleased with. The, the man and woman after God's heart. Those who are not proud or stubborn when you're confronted, you're not doing something right. Those who fear my word or tremble at my word. Look at the description. They are not proud. You said about people when they make it, like Nebuchadnezzar, you start to boast. Or people that are stubborn. Stubborn has to do with people you cannot correct. People you cannot direct. People you cannot chastise. People you cannot even, you can't even pastor them. They pastor themselves. Stubborn. It says, these are the people I'm pleased with. Do we fit in there? People who fear my word. It means when God speaks, your body... You know, as a Christian, you can be arguing, you can be fighting. I, I, honestly, as a pastor, this is what surprises me. I don't know many people, after they're making kitikitikatakata, and you say, take it easy. God will help us. But what does the word of God say? You know, as a Christian, that should be at the time, the whole conversation changes. If when you hear the word of God over one matter, you don't, you don't tremble, I don't think you can fit into the description of a man or a woman after God's heart. He said, these are the people I'm pleased with. Pleased. Somebody tell me the opposite of pleased. What is the opposite of pleased? Come on now. What is the opposite of pleased? Displeased. If God does not find you pleasing, he may love you because Jesus died for everybody, but he's, he's displeased with the way you're carrying on. May we not fall into that category in Jesus' name. Amen. Now give us the contemporary English version that 
is just end of discussion. The CEV, Contemporary English Version. Aha. Uh -huh. uh -huh. It says, I, the Lord, I have spoken. The people I treasure most, read with me, are the humble, they depend only on me, and tremble when I speak. Case made. Put your hands together for the senior pastor. They depend on me and tremble when I speak. Just imagine, just the church alone. If the church trembles when God speaks, if the church are humble before God, you know, I was thinking about this election, and I was wondering, with the number of people that want to become Nigerian presidents, is it even possible that they will all come and sit down and say, um, can we just pick one person? And everybody will allow himself to go down and choose the person they feel is the best. Is it even possible? It's not, it's not possible. Everybody is driven by self. Nobody is humble. We are all proud. We have pride, all of us. Even, even in church. Even in church. Somebody talks to you, you say, I can't take this. I can't take this from you. No, 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 no. I know who I am. No, I know. You. Somebody was telling me. Somebody was telling me. You see, because of church, you think I don't, I don't know who I am. <laughs> me too, I have people. In church. Ah. Oh, dear. I would have said, please, who, who are you? <laughs> what? Some of us think that we are, we are, we are somebody, we have everything. I mean, what? What do you have? What do we have that was not given to us? You know, you were talking about um, your company, how they wanted to give you a distributorship. I've never heard this before. Somebody was there, they wanted to give you. You said, don't remove the person. I've never heard it before. In my 60 years of life, I've never heard a businessman say that before. The way you excuse yourself is, at least I'm not the one that told them to remove him. I'm minding my business. That's somebody's business. That's somebody's father. That's somebody's husband or wife. That's somebody's resource. So you said that the only reason you could do that is because you feel that your provision does not come by your strength alone. It does not come by your strategy alone that God is the one that provides for you. You do the work, God brings the blessing. Can you clap for him for that? You know, please take my respect to your people in the office that I've never heard this before. And I'm glad that we're hearing it in Grace Assembly. Can you clap your hands again? He said, the people I treasure most are the humble and those that depend only on me. He didn't say that depend on me. What does the word only mean? Come on now, only, the only person. And they tremble when I speak. Can we close the service by taking each one of them in prayer? Everybody here. If God says he treasures some people, if you're not in that list, I don't know how you describe your group. I know where the group I want to belong to, the one he, he's pleasing, he finds pleasing and those he treasures. And those three things alone, they're enough. And I, I can assure you, David was like that. Abraham was like that. And when God speaks, Honestly, we should have a big billboard when God speaks. Dot, dot, dot. End of discussion. The day church becomes that, we will not be asking God to come into our service. God will be manifesting all over the place in our lives, in our homes. So shall it be in Jesus' name. Amen. I think this is a good place to end this service. Hallelujah. End of discussion. There's nothing more to say. I would like us to rise up on our feet. 
We're going to take this verse of the scripture as the pastor has said. And we're going to pray. I have made everything. That's how it all came to be. I, the Lord, have spoken. The people I treasure most are the humble. And the people, they depend only on me. And tremble when I speak. People that are humble. People that depend only on God. And people that tremble when God speaks. Have we become so used to God's word that we do not tremble anymore? Have we become so used to God that we are no longer humble before him? Have God exalted us to a level and we feel that we have done it by ourselves? Are we people that have begun to depend in our own abilities? The Bible said, I'd like us to just pray. Let us pray. Let us pray. Begin to pray for yourself. You're not praying for the church right now. You're not praying for the church. You are not praying for the church. You are praying for yourselves. Your individual lives. You know the status of your life. You know your walk with God. Begin to ask the Lord to have mercy on you. Ask yourself, are you still humble? Am I still humble? Do I depend on God or do I still depend on the abilities that I have? I'm a very smart person. It's my ability to strategize. It's my ability to speak good English. It's my ability to give a wonderful presentation. It's my ability to preach well. I like you to begin to pray, begin to pray, begin to pray, begin to pray, begin to pray. Ask, speak to the Lord and humble yourself before God. The Bible said, if my people who are called by my name will humble by themselves, will humble themselves, will humble themselves. Begin to speak to God about yourselves. Have you allowed flesh? Have we allowed flesh to occupy our lives? Oh God, have mercy. Oh God. You told Jeremiah that as the clay is in the hands of the potter, so are you in my hands, oh God. Father, we commit our lives before you. We ask that you should make us like you make the clay in the hands of the potter. We are no longer comfortable in ourselves. We have strayed away. We have looked at the old path and we have strayed away. Take us back to the old path. Take us back to that path of humility. Take us back to that path where we depend only on you. Take us back to that part where we tremble in your presence. Where we build an altar to you. Where we are like Abraham that when we see you or hear your voice we tremble. That when we are like David that we see you we tremble. We hear your voice and we ask Lord that you have mercy. Pray for yourself and say God have mercy on me. God have mercy on us. God have mercy on us. We've occupied our lives with so much pride. We began to depend on the works of our hands. We do not care about what you say anymore. We don't tremble in your presence. The scripture says that you are so mighty that the hills melt like wask before you. In your presence, the mountains flow down. You are so mighty. God, expose us to your almighty that we might see your glory and tremble before you one more time. That we might leave this earth knowing that you are still God. Have mercy on our shortcomings. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We come before you today asking that you have mercy on us. 
look upon the blood that was shed for us on the cross of Calvary and Lord on the basis of the blood have mercy on us restore us back to when we first believe cause oh God that we might constantly be humble before you cause oh God that we might depend only on you cause oh God that we might tremble when you speak thank you Lord because we know you've heard us and today our lives have been changed today we have been transformed blessed be your holy name father in Jesus much less name we have prayed amen you may put your hands together for the Lord